You've heard the headlines. Get some perspective now with Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. And a good morning to you. A happy Wednesday. We're going to jump right into the show. Senator Martha McSally says she's running. The lead. Yeah, we knew that, right? Yeah, it was a foregone conclusion. She's been campaigning for a while now. But Arizona Republican Martha McSally said yesterday that she was formally launching her campaign in what is considered, Bruce, to be one of the most hotly contested U.S. Senate races for the 2020 election. She began hiring a staff, raising money, and has been campaigning for nearly a year, but yeah. officially kicked off her election bid with a video posted on her social media Ooh. account. It's about three and a half minutes long, and it offers a preview as to her message in the coming months. Yeah, so it is um, It is interesting, and this is part of kind of digging into who these candidates are. Again, uh, Martha McSally was appointed to the seat, vacated by uh, uh, Senator McCain after he passed away. And as per the law, she has to run again. Uh, within two years, which is unusual for a Senate seat, uh, to say the least. So we knew she was going to run for re-election, obviously. It was kind of part of the gig. But how was she going to run And that's the strategy behind behind these campaigns, which is fascinating to me. So Martha McSally obviously ran a campaign two years ago against Kirsten Sinema. Mm -hmm. Here is how Martha McSally's campaign two years ago um, sounded. Let's see. Let me find the uh, the cuts here. Here we go. Take a listen. To two years ago. The, and just kind of kind of get a vibe Got from it. this. OK, what Got I'm it. asking folks to, to, to kind of pick up on. What's right. the vibe um. of this video? Take a listen. Like our president, I'm tired of PC politicians and their BS excuses. I'm a fighter pilot and I talk like one. That's why I told Washington Republicans to grow a pair of ovaries and get the job done. And she right. didn't just say get the kind job done. There, right? there was a, there was an expletive, ex, expletive, expletive in that expletive deletive, if you will. That uh, you know they, they, the 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 whole like dollar sign asterisk and all that right, kind of thing. Right. Uh, so it's it's aggressive. It's got like that Top Gun kind of vibe. That you know in your face. Hey, I'm going to go to D.C. and I'm going to kick some butt and take some names. And she lost. Yeah, and and she. And she lost to a candidate in Senator Cinema, Kirsten Cinema, who had a decidedly different tone. So you kind of got that like kick some butt, take some names kind of thing from Martha McSally. Here's a little of how Kirsten Cinema's uh, launch sounded two years ago. The American dream is a combination of working hard, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps every day, but also reaching out to help those who need a hand. That's certainly been the story of my life. Hmm. Decidedly different, right? Like the music. Absolutely. Decidedly different vibes you get from those two campaigns. So what vibe did Senator McSally decide to go with this time? The aggressive in your face, grow a pair of ovaries vibe or the give a helping hand that we're all in this together. This was her launch video yesterday on social media. You decide. Oftentimes, the very things that almost crush us are the things that can help strengthen us and propel us. Losing my dad when I was 12, surviving sexual assault, I was able to discover that I had strength that I didn't realize I had. I wasn't going to let myself or others be held back or held down again. Very different. 
Very so different. is she borrowing from the cinema playbook in how Arizona voters reacted, knowing she lost to Kirsten Cinema with this kind of I'm not trying to overcharacter a softer approach, and she says, "I need to tone. I need to tone this down a little bit, and that's what's going to appeal to voters in Arizona." That appeals to me more, to be honest with you. But when you're looking at the Republican Party and the base, more importantly, does the base uh, favor the you know, hey, that that uh, doesn't kill us makes us stronger kind of thing, or do they favor more of a grow a pair of ovaries? type of well and that's so so is she going to be running two ads is she basically going to be running the 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 with the harp music in the background and piano piano solos uh um soft jazz versus like you know pictures of her with her dog a lot of pictures of her with a dog and that is meant to appeal to the moderate Voter, and then she's going to be on stage with Trump next week, uh, chanting "Build a wall and lock her up." Yeah, you know what? Um, Which is this, she? Th- well, it's whatever she'll be, whatever it takes to win. And and I'm not, you know, knocking her for that. That's what every politician does. Senator McSally isn't doing anything that any other candidate hasn't done since the beginning of time. She she's becoming who she needs to become in order to win. I just find the strategy and the idea to go this route compared to the route that she's gone before uh, as interesting. I mean, she also just recently during the impeachment trial in the Senate, you know, had to campaign and get more money because Mark Kelly, the the presumptive Democratic, you know, challenger here in Arizona, has been out out financing her out. Mm -hmm. uh, What am I looking for? Uh, Fundraising. Thank you. That's the word. I know it was an F word. Financing. (laughs) Fundraising. Not that it's an F word. Fundraising. Let's be let's be very clear. The F word we're talking about is fundraising. Fundraising. Not okay. And, and so she really campaigned on, not campaigned, she fundraised on the uh, liberal hack. You're a liberal hack, buddy, mm-hmm. right? That is the aggressive grow a pair of ovaries. That so, is not the things that bring us down. So how does, she, how does she be both of them? Because I think that at some point, an electorate, the average voter out there is going to ask themselves, well, who is Martha McSally? And it's not that... You can't be a complicated person. You can't have multifacets. Of course, we all do. But in the world of politics, what's your brand? What do you own? Who are you? Describe yourself in a sentence. Because if you can't do that, I'll show you someone who's going to lose. And I think that's why she lost the last time. I like what, what Senator McSally is saying in this video. It speaks to me. I like it. But I don't truly believe that's who she is. I'm not saying she's being fake. I'm simply saying if you have the aggressive fighter pilot, you're a liberal hack buddy, and the I survived and thrived and I'm working towards bipartisanship, I believe Senator McSally is is the aggressive type. And, and, and I don't fault her for that. I'm just wondering how she's going to square that with what with this we need to bring down the cost of prescription drugs stop the flow of illicit drugs and human trafficking and make sure that our veterans get world-class mental health services those are just a few things i think we can agree upon in a bipartisan way but there's so many more so here's the thing that using using senator mccain as an example i would argue 
And maybe he was never going to win the presidency, okay, when he ran for president. But those of us in Arizona certainly knew the guy who ran for president wasn't the guy who yeah. was our senator. Yeah. That that and I think that 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 split from who you really are as opposed to who you're trying right. to sell yourself to be, eventually it falls apart. But count me as one, I don't know who the real Martha McSally is. And that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. Because she has to convince this. me which one is she. Do you know who the real Mark Kelly is? Even if I don't know who the real Mark Kelly is, he's only selling me one version of himself. See, I just feel like we haven't heard much from him. I don't feel like he has been making the rounds. I don't feel like he has been out in front of of this race. I honestly don't. I mean, when we talk about Mark Kelly, we talk about how much he's fundraised. We've talked we talk about, you know, the race here in Arizona and how Democrats see this as a seat they may be able to pick up in the Senate. That's how you hear about Mark Kelly. You know that he's a former astronaut and is married to former Arizona Congresswoman Gabby Giffords. Other than that, like he hasn't been out kind of controlling the narrative of what he wants in this race. I don't feel like I truly know who he is as a potential politician because he's never done that before. And I think that that's hurting him. Um, So when you say I don't really know who Martha McSally is, I would just push back and go, do you really know who Mark Kelly is? Do you ever know who anyone is running for public office? Uh, uh, So the point being is your brand is your brand. What's her brand? That's the problem. I see her as a fighter pilot. Her brand is fighter pilot. Fighter pilot. But that's not the heart. That's not the piano music. No, Martha that, McSally. No, 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 no. Th- th- that that's was. That's not this. That's not. That was. I, I believe Kitties Martha McSally 2018 is the real. You think Senator this McSally. is the real Martha McSally? Yeah, I, I think. I so. absolutely refuse to bow down to Sharia law. After eight years of fighting, I won my battle for the religious freedom of American servicewomen. Now I'm deployed to D.C. to fight for Arizona, supporting our troops and saving the A-10, protecting Arizona jobs and securing the border. My friend, Martha McSally, she's the real deal. She's tough. That's who I think she is. Mm -hmm. But that's not what got her elected. She lost on that uh, strategy. So can she out-soften Mark Kelly? <laughs> It'll be interesting. Certainly, it's not going to be for a lack of running TV ads and radio ads. How's that? Um, so is this really a new trend among people? We've heard about this. Have you heard the term ghosting in relationships where you think you're going out with someone and they just stop answering your text and answering your phone call and you're like, oh, apparently we're not going out anymore. So why are Gen Zers ghosting employees? Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Ghosting. I thought it was only something, again, that kind of came out of uh, relationships. But I guess you can make an argument that you have a relationship with your work or your boss, right? So we're finding out now from a new study out there from Career Builder that the Gen Z crowd, think under the age of 23, by the way, you damn kids today, right? are ghosting their employers? So by ghosting, it just means you disappear, right? You're not giving that two weeks notice. Heck, you're not even picking up the phone and saying, hey, buddy, take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. You just stop showing up. And they're left to wonder, well, what happened? 
like you said, Bruce, it happens in relationships. It, it happens in how dating has changed and a lot of people are meeting online and a lot of that communication is just taking place over a phone or digitally. Mm-hmm. It's super easy just not to return texts or phone calls or things along those lines. But when it comes to your job, this is a bit different. Half of millennials and Gen, and Gen Zers say that they've ghosted an employer. Now, why are they doing it? They're doing it for a higher paying job. They got now, another gig. Well, you know, and 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 I'm not mad at anybody who wants to to move up in this world and get a higher paid gig and make decisions that are best for your situation. I do have a problem with going about it this way. Well, I, okay, it, it strikes me that this has more to do with etiquette and manners and professionalism than maybe anything else. But that does change over time. I'm not saying the Gen Zers have got it right, but. The whole idea of your relationship with work has changed over time as well. But is this just a natural, no. a natural evolution of no. this? I, I, and and I, I don't, I don't accept that because your employer can ghost you at five o'clock. No, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that you have what's right and what's wrong. And it's wrong just to not show up. I mean, that reflects poorly upon you, in my opinion. You know, um, I think part of this isn't just necessarily looking to get higher compensation. I mean, that's why somebody leaves a job. They're either, you know, stuck in a bad situation, the culture is bad, or uh, they're looking to get more money. Okay, fine. You don't want to work there, don't work there. Uh, But, you know, have a conversation at least about it. They're not even picking up a phone. They're not even sending a text message, which to me just shows how so many people not just Gen Zers or, or uh, millennials, they, they try to avoid conflict at all cost. And it is not easy to have that conversation with people. It's not easy to send that, uh, that text to a boss, but it is the right thing to do. You find out from these generations that not only are they, are they looking for more money when they when they're looking at you know employers mm-hmm. but they also say you know they want to take a look at the the company's mission and the culture is a priority sure so you mean to tell me wait a second you know culture <laughs> is like the character it's important. yeah but the culture is like the character of the company right so you're you're concerned about the character of the company that's what you want to work for mm-hmm. but yet your character is one that's dismissive that's rude and that's selfish how do you square those two? I'm waiting for you to yell, get off my lawn at some point. No, because but it, it's just what's right and wrong. It's called character and integrity. And I, I, I get so frustrated that it's being lost these days. I think that the uh, that it is, is difficult for you to understand, difficult for a lot of people to understand, that the relationship that young people have with work is, is 180 degree difference from the one you grew up with. No, I, that, I do not have a hard time understanding that in any capacity whatsoever. They have absolutely I get no intention of staying at a job forever. They have no intention. I understand that. They, th- this is what they're doing today, and they may do something tomorrow. And they have grown up at a time when maybe in their parents' world, their mom or dad lost their job for no nothing they did wrong. Sure. Uh, it was an economic downturn. The stock price went down, and they just fired everybody or whatever. So they have the same level of loyalty to an employer as those employers have shown to them, that, uh, you which know, is zero. Fine. If you have zero, I'm not saying that you should be die hard, you know, whatever the company may be for the rest of your life. I'm talking about respect. I'm talking about integrity. I'm talking about character. Bruce, you're, you know, your, your employer could, could fire you at any moment. You're right. So why can't you quit at any moment? You can. I'm simply saying, acknowledge it. I'm simply saying, Make the phone call. You don't even have to walk your happy butt into the office if you don't want. 
but let somebody we, know. We had that. Do you remember when we had a, a guy here? Yeah. Who just yeah. didn't show up one day. Okay, chime in on this. I mean, Bruce and I see this a little differently. Uh, How how do you see it? Are are you an employer who have had employees ghost you? Have you ghosted an employer? And and your thoughts on all of this? To me, it's about right or wrong. Chime in on our open mic line. 602-200-2733. The open mic line brought to you by Carol Royce Team. Your home sold guarantee or Carol buy it yourself. Go to carolsthebuyers.com. We know a lot of folks out there, a lot of parents out there, have been concerned about letting their kids play football. Head injuries is a big thing that comes up, right? Well, we're, we're showing some new information out there that, dare I say, it's... It might even be worse than we thought it was. We'll dig into that. It's coming up next on Arizona's News Station. Arizona's News Station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. We've heard a lot of the stories. The stories about head injuries in football. And because of that, I know, and, and Pamela, I know you've seen as well, um, a decline in the number of uh, youth playing football, concerns from the Pop Warner through high school and college, and a discussion, especially amongst parents, about is it even safe to have your kids play this Right, game? exactly. Right. There have been a lot of conversations that are taking place across Valley dinner tables, and they're having an impact. And a lot of those conversations are surrounding, you know, CTE, the chronic traumatic encephalopathy. This is the, you know, uh, the impact on the brains and the concussions and things along those lines that are also impacting participation rates. Here in Arizona, they have decreased substantially. Uh, if you look at like 20,000 students playing in, in high school football in, in eh, 2013 to 2014, uh, that has recently dropped to about 16,500. Okay. So when you talk about why is it dropping, a lot of it is the concern, like we said, over CTE. But uh, our very own Bob McClay over here did a story this morning that I found interesting because it's more than just CTE. It's It's a lot of those subtle hits. Take a listen. The study revealed something about the hits high school football players take. Verbal recall seems to be one of the earlier markers of things that are affected. Orthopedic surgery resident Kyle Walker says players who get hit harder aren't necessarily more likely to suffer a concussion. You can have someone with a 60G impact that suffers a concussion, and you can have someone with a 160G impact that doesn't. Meaning even subtle hits could lead to player injury. Yeah, this is something we've we've known about a little bit. When they did some of the CTE um, uh, investigations, the idea, and because I think the problem started with the idea was if you didn't have that that big hit, the wide receiver going across the middle and he gets hit in the head and he, you know, his feet get knocked out and he gets knocked out cold. Like, well, then we're like, well, that's obviously what we're talking about. But they have found, and we've known to some extent. And now the research is starting to prove it. Think about the line of scrimmage, the offensive line and the defensive line, right? Hike. Every time they say hike, they clash, right? And every single one of those impacts over time are having an effect. These micro concussions, these smaller impacts where the brain is being jostled around, not to the level that you're seeing stars or you're knocked cold, But your brain hitting your skull, which happens every time your head moves 
at a quickly, certain rate. You know what I'm saying? At a certain rate is part of this and has a cumulative effect. So the way they studied this, um, they put G-Force trackers in the helmets of a high school football team in New Jersey. And prior to the start of the season, they had him do a couple of tests. All right. They were, they were re- word recall tests. So players were given like 15 words to memorize and then repeat back later. There was also like this color association. So the word was red, for instance, but it would be written out in blue ink and you had to say the color of the ink, not the word. So it's tricking your brain. I'm I'm confused by that right now. (laughs) Hold on, I got a red. I got a red pen, but write blue. And I write blue. What what color is that? Red. Yes, there you go. You passed that. So I would. I passed. And, And they. Well, they did that for several words. So they tested the students prior to the beginning of the season, and then they tested these football players at the end of the season to see if there was any um, impact on their brain. Now. There wasn't a concussion that was diagnosed on this football team all season long. All right. But what they found was on average, these athletes remembered 30 percent less words at the end of the season than they did before the season. So what they're saying is that it's not necessarily this, you know, concussive hit. Because they didn't have any concussions that season. It's the certain G-force that they get. All these mm-hmm. hits that build up over time that are leading to having an impact on the brain. Absolutely. And again, this is this... I, I think it changes a little bit of the discussion about football. Yeah. From... You know, I, I think about the pro game is where they talk about the, the concussion so much, like protecting the quarterback or leading with the crown of your helmet, you know, and these these hits where quarterbacks were getting knocked completely silly and and multiple concussions and having to leave the game to understanding that on every single play in the game of football, tackle football, to properly play the game of tackle football, there are. And every single hike of the ball, some players are experiencing these G-forces, which are in some way, shape, or form harming them. Every single snap of the ball. And you don't have to be diagnosed with a concussion. You don't have to see stars. You don't need smelling salts. You don't have to go in the blue tent. You have to medical tent. You don't have to do any of that. But you start adding it up over time. You know, it's one of the reasons why, and I remember seeing, and I want to say it was, it was a college team where they have non-contact practices because... There are more colleges that are doing that. And it's not just for ACLs, you know what I'm saying? It's also the hike, bam. Even if you're doing a tackling dummy. If you're going to take a hit, you're going to take a hit in the game, not in practice. Exactly. But you then have other coaches that are like, well, you know, practice is the most important thing because what you do in practice is what you do in a game. So if you're not practicing how to play the game, you're going to get hurt more in a game. So I I get the philosophy behind it all. But I, as a parent, uh, look at this and and I've got a 10 year old daughter. So it's she wants to play football. I will tell you that she's the only girl that plays football at recess. But um, and I wouldn't if she even if she was a boy, I wouldn't allow her to because you only get one brain and it's my job as a parent to protect you. Now, if your child plays and that's the the decision that your family has made, I'm not judging you. You know, every family has to make their own decisions and what works in mine may not work in yours. And we all have to do that. And and that's cool. You know, that that's fine. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, like football Friday Night Lights is kind of, you know, that of, of Texas at Rivals. But I think what's interesting about this research is that they say. You know, hits don't leave a person physically showing unusual pain or unsteadiness, right. though, are subtle, 
so clinical, if you will, it's a whole wide open silence. It goes on to say, we wanted to just see, can we learn something? And I think what they learned is that there is this this brain injury that is silent that these kids and these, you know, professional players are constantly taking that that doesn't trigger the flag of like, you know, a concussion protocol. Um. <clears throat> I think what we're – if you were to put a, a bow on this, and so the more we learn about CTE, head injuries, the effects that it has, we're not hearing anything that it's better than we thought. So how it's do we like learn every, from it? it, it like every, every little bit of news comes out means it's a little worse than we thought. And the reason why football is in the barrel every single time we talk about it is because it is a blood sport. It's a gladiator sport. But I can also concede with my daughter playing soccer, there is a risk for concussions. In fact, it's one of the uh, like highest concussion rates for girls sports out there. You can play lacrosse. Oh, yeah. I was a cheerleader in high school and suffered two concussions. They dropped me on head. my head. Don't make any comment about yeah, that. But I, I just think that we we study football players because they take the most hits. It's but most every, obvious. Every every sport mm-hmm. can learn from the research that's being you know, done. Carlo pointed out that Aaron Hernandez documentary on Netflix. Yes, and that his yes. brain sh- and he was a tight end. You know, he, he, what twenty eight? Yeah, and young. Yes, didn't play that many years, and his brain was one of the the worst. CTE brains that they'd ever seen. But what you just said there, you can't study the impact or how bad the no. CTE, CTE is until somebody dies. After the fact. Yeah. Again, name something about brain injuries in football that's been good news lately, right? That's part of the problem. Part of the problem. So yesterday, the New Hampshire primary. How about this? Good news, Pamela? Went a lot smoother than Iowa, right? So what did we learn? We'll dig dig into that coming up next on Arizona's News Station. Arizona's News Station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Okay, did, did we pick this music specifically for New Hampshire? Because if Bernie Sanders jumps, jump. he's going to break a hip when he lands, right? It's like 103 years old. I'm not 100. Don't quote me on that. I, he's an older gentleman. Is that fair to say? You're being kind. And um, I, and maybe when we talk about, quote, winners in New Hampshire, kind of like in Iowa, which granted took a week to figure out, <laughs> it seems like it was a bit of a tie last night. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. If you're looking at the delegate count, they're even. We saw the first decisive results of this primary season, a big moment for those new frontrunners, Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg, but with moderates and progressives still split and the top candidates vowing to fight on, this contest is anything but settled. Yeah, okay, okay, fair enough. So, I mean, it is the horse race. It's going to go back and forth. Delegate counts, who drops out, who stays in. Kind of getting away from that a bit. I find that some of the exit polling data that we were getting in New Hampshire to be quite telling. We find out that when you're looking at the Democrats, because Democrats and Republicans can vote in the primary in, in New Hampshire. so just focusing, And they can vote either way. Just focusing on the Democrats. Okay. Who are you voting for and why? Mm-hmm. Well, 60% said that they were prioritizing the candidate that could be Donald Trump. Okay, so So it's goal, less about less about where they are on Medicaid or for all or whatever and it's who can beat Trump. Exactly. So a third said that they wanted someone who could bring change. 
while about another third said that they want someone who can unite the country. And far fewer, Bruce, said that they were looking at a candidate and prioritizing a candidate who cares about people like them. So it's not so much about, Hmm. you know, someone like me who, you know, is having a hard time covering, you know, prescription uh, costs. Very specific it, or uh, issues. pre-existing conditions. Right, you're concerned or, about that. Or, you know, my... You work in a coal mine. Right. Okay, good luck with that. <laughs> uh, but it's not about me. What they've been looking at is someone who could bring change and someone who could unite the country. So getting down to just like the candidates in general, you've got 40% who said that they wanted change, voted for Bernie Sanders. Far more than any other candidate. Now, when it comes to the priority of unifying the country, you know who they looked for to that? Who? Senator Klobuchar. Hmm. I get this. Okay. So I think most people know Bernie, right? Well, because he, he ran you know, before. time, yeah. But he also has, you know, we were talking about this with Martha McSally. He's got a brand. He has a defined brand. You yeah. can, you can like, like it, it or not like it. But, but you know what he is. And by the way, can I say this? I don't think I agree with Bernie Sanders on probably anything short of the time of day. But I believe he's genuine in his beliefs. As evidenced by the fact he continues to have them regardless of how unpopular they might be. So like, give him credit for consistency's sake, right? I think people are starting to learn about Mayor Pete. Amy Klobuchar? I mean, only because I think I saw her do an interview once, I'd recognize her if she walked in the radio Do you know how station. I know uh, Senator Klobuchar? How? What jumped out to me was the Kavanaugh hearings. She's the one who he got, he uh, now Supreme Court Justice. She got under his skin, didn't she? Well, no. She got a bit under his skin, and and he came at her. He, like, barked at her. And she put him in his place because, you know, they were talking about drinking, and and her dad was recovering alcoholic. Yeah, and and, and he gave some sort of smart-alecky answer. Right. right? That's how I know Senator Okay, okay. But the point being is that I think it's still, we say wide open, but Bernie and Mayor Pete, are leading the pack right now. Among voters who say they want someone who can beat Trump in November over someone who actually agrees with them on the issues, a quarter of those voted for Mayor Pete. Hmm. One in five for Klobuchar, one in five for Sanders. It kind of falls off the map after yeah. that. But there's another poll that I, I think that we need to be paying attention to because um, I think it's real. I, 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 a new that? poll new polling. says most voters, Mo- just average voters. most voters, We're not picking a state. We're not picking a party. Believe President Trump will win re-election. And this is including Democrats. Yeah, D's and R's and and I's. And this is even those who don't like him. It's a new uh, Monomouth University poll. And they say two-thirds of voters believe President Trump will be re-elected. Listen. In, the incumbent always has an advantage, the bully pulpit of the of the, the White House. Um, we talked about the economy doing well, people quote voting with their pocketbooks. There's a lot behind that. 38% of Democrats believe the president is likely to win another term off. I think it's difficult to make that call right now, though, until you know who's running against him. Because I think it's a huge but difference. I'll, I'll, Would you not argue that Bernie Sanders running against him would be a hell of a lot different than Michael Bloomberg, for example? Sure. But for those two reasons you just laid out. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's still an, an uphill. And the economy. Yeah.
is going to be a heck of a climb for whomever is no the argument. Democratic nominee. So Arizona's newest freeway, the new Loop 202, that goes through Abatuki and the West Value, it's been open for two months and it needs repairs. We're getting some details and... I can at least sleep a little better knowing that apparently I, a taxpayer in Phoenix, won't have to pay for the repairs. (laughs) We'll tell you what's going on. It's coming up next. Arizona's News Station.